All right, this was an unplanned Trojan Talk podcast, but when big seismic things happen, we have to react in the moment. I'm Ryan Young, publisher of Trojansports.com, and with me is my familiar co-host, the former USC quarterback, our Trojansports.com analyst, heck, now just a college football analyst, Max Brown on the show. Max, how are you? I'm doing great, Ryan, as I'm, I'm sure all our listeners are as well. What a uh, Sunday afternoon surprise this was, but uh, as good of uh, news as I think uh, we could have received today. Yeah, well, obviously we're here to talk about the BYU game and break it down from all angles. No, I kid. I kid, I kid. <laughs> uh, I was about to say, I'm not prepared for that. I'm, uh, I'm focused on uh, Lincoln Riley. I don't even care about the BYU Cougs. That, that, that happened months ago. I was uh, just going through all my interviews from last night on Sunday morning, getting ready to write all these follow-up stories off the game, thinking that uh, we're probably still a day or more away from a coaching hire, and then it, it happened. It happened the same for all of us, for everyone listening here, for myself, for you, Max, that the first Twitter report comes out that USC is targeting Lincoln Riley, and everyone goes, oh, wow, Lincoln Riley. That's a big breach if they can get him. And then it's not like more than 10 minutes later that it's USC is closing in on a deal with Lincoln Riley. I'm like, what? And then the next Twitter report, and this is this is Bruce Feldman and Pete Thamel and Ryan Karchi from the LA Times, and, and everyone's just hammering from all angles. And, and you just have to keep updating your Twitter feed. So it's, this could be done in 24 hours. This could be done today. It is done. It's a done deal. USC's hiring Lincoln Riley. Oh, he's told his team in Oklahoma already that he's leaving. It was just one after another, just my head was spinning. And then USC makes the official announcement Sunday night on their own with comments from Mike Bone, comments from Lincoln Riley. This came together, we don't know how fast it came together behind the scenes, but it came together really fast in the public consciousness. Max, give me your first reaction. First reaction is, I mean, absolute home run hire. Mike Bone, my hat's off to you, I think. A lot of SC fans that were on Mike's case the past couple years, I think, are, are backtracking in a big in a big way. We had talked about it many times in this podcast that it's all talk and it's all fluff until a coaching decision was made. That was the biggest data point so far in, in, in Mike Bone's era. And I'm, I'm wary of not getting too far ahead of ourselves before he's even coached a game. But by all accounts, man, an absolute home run hire. And even taking a step back, like, all right, is there a better name out there that we could have got than Lincoln Riley? And I know Urban's been thrown out there the past couple of years. I think it's a better get than Urban, just given the general scenario he's at. I'll go as far as even a Nick Saban. Nick Saban's probably the one name you could even be, but even Nick is like 70 years old. I'll take the 38-year-old Lincoln Riley all day. I think it's great that he has West Coast recruiting ties. I know that was a big uh, point of emphasis, just given where the, the program's at right now in terms of trying to get back Southern California, put a fence around the state of California and keep all the recruits home. Well, where were a lot of the recruits going in Southern California? They were heading to Norman and to play for Lincoln Riley. So I'm sure they'll have uh, no problem staying close to the West Coast. And I think looking forward as well, obviously I'm an offensive guy. You can make the argument that Lincoln Riley is the hottest offensive mind in college football currently. You don't even need to hedge it. Look at his track record with the Heisman Trophy winners. And shoot, Ryan, I'm sitting here saying, man, I wish I was a recruit again and uh, started my freshman journey at SC, ready to play for this guy. I think it's just it's so refreshing to have this encouraging buzz in the program, to have it uh, everyone being pointed in the same direction, no hesitation, no doubts. I was preparing preparing the whole time to have – you know, a, seg- a segment of the pop- of the fan base say, oh, it's a great hire, but then also have like a mi- minority stake saying, ah, oh, I don't like this coach for X, Y, Z reason. It feels like 100% of the fan base is behind this hire, rightfully so, and uh, couldn't be more excited for what's ahead. Yeah, I wrote a column immediately after and just kind of poured my thoughts out on Trojansports.com, and the phrase I used was, this was the best possible or seemingly impossible outcome of this coaching search because we never talked about Lincoln Riley. We talked about everybody, but I mean, I, a couple times he was mentioned as, Oh, you know what? You should, USC should at least kick the tires on Lincoln Riley and see what happens. But he was never on the hot boards. He was never a, a primary candidate. He was never the fixation of the message board discussion and kudos to Mike bone and Brandon Sosna for doing what they said they were going to do and keep this, really under wraps, close to the vest, no leaks. Case in point, 
there's not a, a whiff of this happening until it's effectively signed, sealed, and done, and they're able to announce it just hours later. That's impressive in this day and age of coaching searches. But you mentioned recruiting. You mentioned the offensive implications. There are so many ways I want to attack this, and we're going to hit all of them. Before we dive into it, I've got to tease our promo. It only lasts until December 3rd, but what better time to get in? We've had a wave of signups today. It's been so exciting just to see the fan response to this and that they're just clamoring to, to be a part of the discussion and know everything. So if you are not subscribed to TrojanSports.com, we can fix that so very easily right now with our best promo of the year, and it really is. It's a once-a-year thing that Rivals pushes out around Black Friday, Thanksgiving. It lasts for a few days, and this is just great timing. You can get the first year of a new annual subscription for just $20.21, 2021. And the promo code is RIVALS2021. That's basically like less than $2 a month if you do the math. So hop on. There's, it's in the, the banner on our homepage. There's a place among our top stories where I have an easy link to go in and read the details and sign up. Uh, get in now because we're going to have a lot of great stuff coming. I mean, we're, we're going to hit this recruiting coverage hard the next few weeks with the early signing period starting December 15th. Uh, all the coaching staff hires that are going to follow, all the just ramifications from every angle, we will have it all covered. So join us at trojansports.com. All right, Max, where do we even start? Where do we even start? Let's go back through just the recent weeks of the search to put it in perspective. So everyone liked Luke Fickle, and that made sense. Eventually, it became apparent that they probably couldn't get him. You know, he's on pace for a college football playoff appearance. Why would he leave? And if he did, he wouldn't be available until you know January. So everyone kind of just moved on. And then it was there was a point where I think ninety percent of the fan base would have been happy with Dave Aranda from Baylor who, again, very intriguing coach, but a second-year head coach who was like 12 and 10 in his career, and that would have pacified most of the fan base. That's that's where things were at. And then it came out that, oh, no, he might stay at Baylor. Now what happens? And then Matt Campbell, out of the blue. Now, a guy that we had on our hot board from the start, a guy that we liked, but there was no buzz about Matt Campbell until the middle of last week. When all of a sudden the buzz ratchets up to 11 and everyone's talking about USC is the favorite for Matt Campbell, this and that. Matt Campbell is a interesting cat, doesn't have an agent, doesn't really say a whole lot about such things. So no one ever knew how he felt. And eventually by Saturday morning, as I'm furiously pounding away on a column, just in case he gets hired, it kind of starts to trickle out on Twitter that no, Matt Campbell is not going to come to USC. He's out. And to this point, we really don't know whatever materialized there, but there was so much buzz that you have to believe that there was some fire to the smoke. But anyways, this sends the fan base into an apoplectic spiral. Now they're, th- they're fearing the worst. They're, they're thinking back to all the bad USC coaching hires, and they're going, who are we going to get? Are we, we going to get 62-year-old Kyle Whittingham for a few years? Are we going to get Bill O'Brien, who no one seems to be excited about, the Alabama OC and former Penn State Texans head coach. If not them, then who? Is it going to be some USC retread? Is it going to be Jack Del Rio? The search has totally fallen apart. It was just mayhem on the board. And I was preaching. Just see what happens. No one actually knows what's going on because Bone and Sosna have made certain that this is really a tight circle of information and close to the vest. Let's just not react. We see what happens. And we get to this point. And it's just been a, a euphoric uh, release for the fans today. But when you look back on how this played out, how do you put it all in perspective? Yeah, the timeline's interesting on, on a couple fronts. One, from Lincoln Riley's point of view, you wonder where this became real for, for, for him and his family. And, and what I mean by that is, obviously, this past summer, the biggest news in college football was Texas and Oklahoma announcing that they were going to go to the SEC in, in, in a few years. You wonder if that was the first domino to fall in Lincoln Riley saying, wait a sec, I don't want to go to the SEC and compete with a bunch of blue blood programs. Uh, And and I think that's dumbing it down a little too much. He's obviously a competitive guy and uh, he's done very well for himself. But when he takes the overall 30,000 square foot view and says, 
what what's my easiest track to national prominence? Uh, maybe that's not it. The future at Oklahoma, just what they're up against. And so if that was the first domino to fall potentially in the summer, at what point did then SC become real for him? Um, and what, yeah, like you alluded to earlier, but was this something that happened the last couple of weeks? Was this something that was hot for a few months and, and people are just keeping under wraps? I would be, I don't know if we'll ever get a straight answer, but I'd be, I'd be fascinated in, in that regard. And I think the other interesting timetable for me is when we look back to when Mike Bone was first hired in 2019, right then the move was fire clay, get Urban Meyer. That was the expectation amongst uh, a significant portion of the fan base because that felt reasonable. That felt, or that, that felt like a, legitimate get that SC could, could, could get. Yes, it was, um, it was, it would have been a bit of a stretch, but something that was feasible. Maybe that's the right word. It was feasible at that time, but over the last two years, especially in the last few months, I think the overall sentiment in the fan base has been, well, wait a sec, maybe this SC job isn't as enticing as we thought. Hence the fact why a lot of people would have been very, myself included at that time, a couple weeks ago, would have been very content and pleased with Dave, her Dave Aranda as a hire. Versus two years ago, if you said Dave Aranda or an equivalent name, I think the fan base would have gone up in arms and said, no way, no way. But I bring that up because over the past couple of years, I think the SC fan base has you know, been uh, humbled a little bit. But as we sit here right now, I think it's been a great reminder for all the USC faithful. Wait a sec. We're still USC. Yeah. We're still the premier program on the West Coast. We still have tons of resources. We still have that draw and we still have that national prominence blue blood attraction, obviously shown by uh, being able to poach Lincoln Riley away. And I think that the, the timetable and my gut says it's going to come out in Mike Bones' biography in 20 years when we get the actual uh, actual lowdown, but uh, fascinating storylines for sure. No, you're right. It's, it's, it's very validating for the fan base that had – many just had cast away any thought that USC was still a top job nationally. And, you know, I, I'm, I've been here f- four years, so I've always felt that maybe I shouldn't argue too ardently against things that maybe I don't have a full perspective on. But I just always thought, how could that be? I mean, just with the recruiting base out here alone, that if the right coach comes in with any sort of confidence and just belief in himself, that knowing that, hey, if I just tap into this Southern California recruiting base, I can do amazing things here that have been done before here. And I think that's what Lincoln Riley's seen. As for the timeline, you have to just imagine, I mean, you have to assume, I have to imagine, you have to assume that there was substantial back-channeling that happened, whether it was over weeks, months, days, between USC and Lincoln Riley's agent to gauge his interest, to feel him out, to maybe talk some preliminary numbers, and that maybe there was a formal interview conversation this morning or last night after Oklahoma's final regular season game that kind of just uh, made sure that we're on the same page. Yes, let's do this. We're in agreement. Everything checks out. But it didn't come together out of the blue in 24 hours. Now, there's just, just no way. So, yeah, there was back-channeling, and that raises the question of, was Matt Campbell ever a thing? Was Dave Aranda ever a thing? And so you're right. We'd all love to get the details, and maybe one day we will. But I wouldn't dwell on anything else but, but the outcome. And just, I'm a USC fan, be thrilled that – they're here because no one expected this. This truly is the best possible, like I said, or seemingly impossible outcome. At the start of this search, if you had said Lincoln Riley, every single USC fan would have signed off on that in a heartbeat. And why? Let's just go over the numbers real fast. The guy is 55-10 and 10 in five seasons as head coach at Oklahoma. Four Big 12 titles, three playoff appearances, two Heisman winners and one Heisman runner-up in that time. This is a five-year span. They went 12 and 2, 12 and 2, 12 and 2, 9 and 2, 10 and 2. The guys never had a bad season. And yet, in Oklahoma, when they lose a game, the sky's falling. And maybe that's also part of the reason why he was willing to move on. And maybe he thought he had gotten close to his ceiling there, but also knew that, man, I'm doing these great things. And yet, if I have one, one bad week, it's all I hear about for the next year. And certainly. Maybe USC will get back to that point where it's that way here, but it's not that way here now. <laughs> He's going to have a lot of runway and unleash uh, to, to build this thing. But those numbers are astounding. I mean, their national rankings the last four years, three, four, seven, six. He has been doing what USC fans dream of doing again. 
So you have to think that if you're hiring the guy that's done this, why can he not do it here? You have to believe he can. And I think one of the interesting points for me as well is his five-year stint at Oklahoma, that's a program that he inherited, obviously with Bob Stoops uh, retiring, and, and he took it to a new height with respect to the Heisman Trophy winners and the offensive production there. But obviously Bob Stoops laid the foundation there. I'm curious if there was part of Lincoln Riley that said, you know what, I, I there's there, there's part of me that wants to go build something, yeah. truly build something. And I think knowing how coaches are wired and the fulfillment that comes along with that and the competitive nature, I'd be willing to bet that was a very strong factor when at 38 years old, that's a young head coach. He's already been a co- head coach for five years. He's only 38 right now. There's a lot of coaching lifespan left in him. I have to bet that there's part of him sitting there saying, Oklahoma has been great, and I can keep running with the great thing, but I'm still a competitor, and I still want to prove to myself that I can truly, from ground zero, build something up. And I think that's that, that's got to be a big draw with with USC. And uh, I remember, I mean, a few years back when I went when I first came to SC 2013, that was one of the negative factors with the job at that time is you had to come in after Pete Carroll, and everything was going to be compared to that era, and you know that you had to piggyback off the the foundation that was already built. Well, right now, there's no foundation. It's it strip everything. It's it start the rebuild. It's it start from square one. And I think in this scenario, that's got to be uh, not a negative. I think that's, that's an attraction for a coach like Lincoln Riley to say, hey, let me build this thing up. I think you're absolutely right. You know, Clay Helton brought in the demolition crew and cleared out the house, and now Lincoln Riley can build it back up from the foundation and, and start over. But, you know, you mentioned he's 38 years old, and you have to think that – it's always perilous to look more than a few years down the road in college football. But if he does well here, like, why would he leave? Like, where else is he going to go? What, is it, what would be the next step? I guess the NFL is the next step. Uh, so you worry about that. But there's the potential that he, that he could build a, a true legacy here and be here for a long time. Like I said, it's perilous to project too far down the road. Let's just see if he can uh, get things rolling the first couple of years. But definitely exciting to have one of the true young up-and-comers maybe – the most exciting young coach in college football is now running USC. Uh, another thing that we're going to have to find out about in time, because USC will not release it, the contract details. And the LA Times, Ryan Karchi reported that there was a $4.5 million buyout that's due to Oklahoma, and that uh, Riley was making $7.673 million this season. So you got to think to pry him away, USC – uh, and, and to pry him away from Norman, Oklahoma, to Los Angeles in terms of living expenses, that USC had to come over the top of that $7.6 million, which proves me wrong when we had a debate previously about what's uh, – as the uh, the cost of college coaches truly gone through the roof or was it just limited examples, maybe it's truly gone through the roof. And I don't think USC fans ever would have thought that this program or this university would have ponied up like that, especially when we spent years talking about how they couldn't pay a – a $20-plus million buyout to get rid of Clay Helton. But you have to imagine that this is a pretty hefty contract and that the resources are there. Uh, maybe it's been a strategic work behind the scenes the last couple of years by Bone and Sosna to, to get it to that point, or maybe it's always been there. But the resources are clearly there because this was could not have been a cheap hire. And just thinking about this on the, uh, on the fly, all the criticism that the athletic department got for keeping Clay Helton and the – undisclosed amount of money that was saved in that department. I wonder how much of that helped, you know, uh, allow the a buyout to happen or a contract in Lincoln Riley. And it's always weird saying that because I feel like, you know, SC boosters, we always think there's kind of infinite amount of money, but we uh, we, we all know it's not necessarily the, the, the case. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I know for me, what was it, a couple of years ago, Lincoln Riley, his name was out there for the Dallas Cowboys head coaching job yeah. before Mike McCarthy took it. Like, you talk about, that's America's football team. Like that that's the that's the arena that USC is in right now. And it's it's just so refreshing to to get back to that point. And in terms of resources and finances, the next step I'll be very interested to see who he hires as his as his coordinators. He's obviously a play caller himself, so maybe they don't hire an as expensive offensive coordinator, so to speak, and it's more of a supporting role there. It'll be fascinating to uh, to track that movement as well. Hey, first of all, you have to think that two years ago they're not hiring Lincoln Riley um, just because he probably wasn't in a position to leave Oklahoma at that point. So then take him off the table and 
if this move was made two years ago, yeah, you save a lot of frustration and setbacks with the roster and everything else. There has been a toll pay these last two years. There's no getting around that. Keeping Clay Helton this long has cost the university and, and this program in many ways. But could they have made this higher two years ago? For the reason you mentioned, uh, if they were going to eat that buyout, does that mean that they're now uh, in a pinch financially to hire a lesser coach? And now you're stuck with a lesser coach for four or five or six years as opposed to waiting it out two more years with Helton and now you are in the clear financially and you can go all in on a coach like this. These are things that we can just speculate about, but I just would say that for all the criticism of Mike Bone or whether it was directed to him or President Carol Fultz for not making that Helton decision earlier, I would just let it go at this point and be so entirely happy and satisfied with the result and just assume that it all kind of played in together and this is why we're here and you just can't argue with the outcome all right max i want to really go into this offense i'm going to go over some stats and i want you to put the the qb helmet back on and, and take us inside this offense but since lincoln riley came to oklahoma first as an offensive coordinator for two years in 15 and 16 under bob stoops and then five years as head coach these are their ranks nationally in scoring this is national fourth Third, third, first, sixth, sixth, eleventh. And that first ranking in 2018, they averaged 48.4 points a game. Wow. Uh, in terms of total yards, uh, starting in 15, it was seventh, second, first, first, third, eleventh, and then a dip this year to 31st. But they were over 530 yards a game for five straight years with him running this offense with a peak of 579.6. Back-to-back years, top offense in the country. I mean, you think about this roster being, where is it at its strongest? It's it's the offensive side and the feeling that they haven't maximized the strengths there. Now you're bringing up the guy who's maybe the best offensive coach in the country. Wow. So, Max, what makes this offense so prolific and what would excite you the most to play in it? Yeah, the word that sticks out the most to me is just explosive. This offense is explosive. I still need to dive into the film and the X's and O's to figure out the why behind that and how Lincoln Riley's wired to, to make that happen. And uh, that'll be a fun, fun, very fun off-season project for me. But I just know watching from afar, obviously he's had elite quarterback talent there. But he's also, you know, uh, helped that quarterback talent flourish. And I think gone are the days of quarterbacks like myself in terms of stature and a Matt Liner pocket passer type of mold. I think we're going to probably see them recruit much more of the dual threat emphasis type of quarterbacks. But as I say that out loud, every one of his quarterbacks has had, it's been a pocket throw first mentality and then run be uh, run be second. But I, I also know this is a spread offense. So for SC fans that were waiting for the, you know, let's get a fullback back and let's do pro style and let's do under center play action. That's not happening. And you should be excited that's not happening because Lincoln Riley is as explosive as, as, as any coordinator. But I think the difference between maybe where USC's offense is at now and where what Lincoln Riley can take them to is the physicality and the ability to run the ball when you have to run it and run the ball when the defense knows you're going to run the ball and then have pass plays work off of that. I mean, big picture-wise, SC fans, remember – Lincoln Riley and Graham Harrell are cut from a similar cloth in terms of how they're wired from a start. Both have Texas Tech roots. Both have Mike Leach ties. When Graham was playing at Tech, uh, Riley was there. So are they the exact same? No. But in terms of early on in their football lives, how they were thinking about football, similar fabric there. But I think the difference when I watch Oklahoma is, one, the more consistent commitment to the run game, and then, two, opening up pass plays off of the run game, the play-action mentality. But this is a spread offense through and through. I don't think schematically and in terms of personnel groups, you're going to see a ton of differences from Graham Harrell, but I do think you're going to see more creative wrinkles and more success, consistent success in the run game uh, as well. Well, yeah, I mean, the numbers certainly back that up, and it's – been a stratosphere that Graham Harrell has not reached with this with his offense here at USC. So whatever similarities there are, there's certainly some 
secret ingredient that Lincoln Riley is doing that works a whole lot better than Graham Harrell's offense. And, you know, this did just happen. We've all watched Oklahoma play, but we haven't had time today to break out the old film and and, and really get into the nitty-gritty of it. So that's certainly a a father for a future podcast where we can get Max back on once he's had the time to really do what he does best and go inside the concepts and schemes and and get to the heart of it. Uh, We can come back and revisit that for sure. Just exciting. It's going to be an exciting time for this group. You know, there are – there is enough offensive talent there, I think, to to be good right away. I think, obviously, it's not where it was a couple of years ago, but there's enough there. I think we've seen enough flashes, and that's going to be the intrigue is to really see who, who pops and makes a fresh impression on the new coaching staff because, really, what you did this year and what you did last year and what your recruiting profile was when USC recruited them is going to be thrown out the window, and it's going to be about spring ball and all the offseason and who fits what Lincoln Riley wants to do and who – uh, proves himself and, and earns his role. So we're going to have a ton to talk about and break down moving forward. It is really exciting. Jump in there one, one little point, too. I, I think one aspect, so I was doing the uh, postgame show last night until early this morning at 2 a.m., and one of the big topics we were talking about there is, hey, if a new head coach is announced this week, his first order of business is going to be retaining the talent that's on the roster currently. Like, if, if you bring in a Dave Aranda or Matt Campbell, yes, those names would have been – solid i think everyone would have been excited with that but i think you you would have lost some guys just naturally with the the coaching change i think that greatly lessens now i think a lot of these guys that are on the fence about their future are going to say hey give me one more shot to play for this guy especially offensively but i think it bleeds over to defensively when guys start hearing the buzz of this program i mean i'm in a i'm in a group chat with a bunch of former players and we're all kind of saying, man, we wish we were still playing. We wish we could play for this era. And I think that buzz will, you know, ripple ripple to the current roster. I think the concern over guys leaving the program will be uh, will be lessened, and especially offensively, because if you're a guy that's going to be have any chance of getting in the fold, man, this is an offense you want to be a part of. And um, even, I mean, the guy at the top of mind, as I say that out loud, is, I mean, a Keontae Ingram. I know he walked out for senior day yesterday, has the chance to come back. I'm sure he's looking, man, that, uh, he's done some good things, or Riley's done some good things for some running backs. I'll come back here and tote the rock for him. Uh, I definitely could see that happening. Man, that, yeah, that'd be a huge coup if they got Ingram back. But you're totally right. I can't see anyone preemptively saying, I've got to transfer, I've got to leave. I think everyone is going to – Lincoln Riley is going to hold their intrigue and command the respect to say, you know what, let's see what happens here. Whereas if you hire a coach that was maybe not of his stature, maybe there is just the, the reflex of going, man, I was recruited by the staff. They're gone. I got to bounce. I don't think we're going to see that. And what's interesting, I'll do a little quick tangent on recruiting, which I know is not your area, Max, so I'll just knock it out real fast. Lincoln Riley has really beaten USC for a lot of big-time recruits, both in Southern California and elsewhere. Um, he's really been a massive obstacle for the Trojans. And so not only do you hire this great coach who has all the resume we've already talked about, but you hire a guy who was already recruiting your top targets better than you in a lot of regards. And I'll just run down some names. In this 2022 class alone, Oklahoma has the eighth-ranked class so far. That includes five-star running back Raleigh Brown from modern day, who USC has badly coveted and who tonight has already talked to R. Adam Gorney and said he's going to have to strongly consider going to USC and following Lincoln there. So just by this hire alone, they may have flipped a five-star running back. We'll see what happens. Other commits in their class, four-star cornerback Gentry Williams, who's an Oklahoma kid out of Tulsa, but had a great connection with Dante Williams, took an official visit here. USC thought they had a real chance at him. He commits to Oklahoma. We don't know how he feels. Fourth-star offensive tackle Jake Taylor out of Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman High School, USC really wanted him. He commits to Oklahoma. Four-star running back Gavin Sawchuck out of Colorado took an official visit here. Commits to Oklahoma. Don't know how he feels now. Three-star receiver Nick Anderson took an official visit to USC. Commits to Oklahoma. And then the 2023 class is where it really gets interesting because Oklahoma had had grabbed three early commitments from Los Alamitos teammates. Five-star QB Malachi Nelson. Four-star receiver Makai Lemon. And four-star receiver DeAndre Moore who were all top USC targets. And Malachi Nelson, of course, uh, was a really massive storyline last spring and summer where he felt 
uh, misled by the USC staff once they offer the second quarterback in his class, uh, Nico Aymaleva. Uh, he had been told he was going to be the only quarterback USC offered in the 23 class and claims that that really divided the relationship with his parents and, and the staff. And he convinced Oklahoma has been all in on the Sooners and Lincoln Riley. Now, all of a sudden, does he take a fresh look at USC, put whatever drama or whatever was in the past behind him and go, well, I guess I'm coming, I'm staying home. So that's going to be interesting to watch. And then just the fact that Riley and his staff are going to have about half a month to put together a 2022 recruiting class before the early signing period. And it's going to be a mad scramble. But I think hiring him over anyone else gives them USC their best chance to rally because of the stature he does command. But anyways, we'll cover the recruiting angle. I mean, wall to wall the next few weeks leading up to signing day. We'll get uh, Rivals recruiting director Adam Gorney on the show to give his take, and we'll get into all that much more in depth. But as we have Max here, let's talk about the staff that Riley's going to put together. So it's been reported by multiple sources, ESPN among them, that Oklahoma defensive coordinator Alex Grinch is going to follow Riley to Los Angeles. Uh, so that's one big answer to this puzzle. We had also heard that outside receivers coach Dennis Simmons was going to join the staff and follow Riley from Oklahoma, and that has also been reported elsewhere now. And it's also out there that offensive line coach and co-offensive coordinator Bill Biedenbaugh is going to join. That has not been as widely confirmed yet, so definitely want to just see what happens there. But he would be the the huge coup because he's been one of the most well-respected offensive line coaches in the country. And if they get him, that's, that's a massive building block. But let's just kind of go over some of these names and see what we think about the potential options. I'll just go by with this current staff and, and we'll see what we think. So offensively, like you said, he calls the plays. He's a play caller. He's had co-offensive coordinators in Cal Gundy and Bill Biedenbaugh. Cal Gundy is an Oklahoma lifer. He's been there 20-plus years. He played there. Probably not leaving. Him when I was taking my uh, unofficial to Oklahoma way back in the day. Man, he's been there forever. <laughs> he has been there forever. Bill Biedenball is the other co-OC. If I'm making a list of priorities from that staff, that's the guy I want to come here. If he can't get Bill Biedenball, Clay McGuire coached with Lincoln Riley at Texas Tech and then joined him at East Carolina when Riley was the OC at East Carolina. And they spent two years together there. They are very familiar. And I've been thinking in the last couple of weeks that, you know, Clay McGuire's really done a pretty good job with this offensive line. I mean, the, the run game is so much better than last year. Uh, the O-line has its flaws and problems. Some of that's personnel-driven. But I think that he's gotten the most out of that unit. And if I were going to rank the coaches who deserve this day, he's probably near the top of the list. What are your thoughts on Clay McGuire possibly being a holdover on staff here? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, obviously, with their similar pass, but I think there is something to be said, especially with offensive and defensive lines being the two positions that are front of mind for me of that need full revamp in terms of moving forward, in terms of identity and how they're wired. I think there is something to be said about starting fresh in that department, um, especially if you can bring your guy with you who's Oklahoma. But I can go either way, if, if, if I'm being honest. I think uh, with their crossover pass, I think maybe that is a natural fit. They're speaking the same language. But I, I think if, if I had to go one direction, the idea of starting fresh, especially at that position group where you want it to be a new identity, you don't want any carryover effect from a Helton type of era. And I know... Clay's only been here a year. My gut says going a different direction with that specific position could make some sense. That does make sense, and that's very fair. And, again, if they can get Bill Biedenbaugh, you definitely go all in and get him because not only is he a, a well-respected offensive line coach, he's a great recruiter. He's really brought in elite talent there year after year, which is why they've been so good up front, and which has obviously been the biggest problem for USC. So if you can get him, that is another coup. Okay, continuing down the offense, we did get some intel on Sunday that Oklahoma wide receivers coach Dennis Simmons, who has been with Riley since 2015, was also with Mike Leach previously, 
um, at Washington State is expected to make the jump to USC. That came from a source on the recruiting side of things who had heard some of the chatter that Dennis Simmons was uh, saying to recruits. So moving from there, Oklahoma's running backs coach is DeMarco Murray in the second year. He's an Oklahoma grad, and that's kind of why he went back there to coach. I don't know what his overall ambitions are, if it was just a uh, opportunity to go back to his alma mater or if he wants to rise up into a bigger role in, in this field and maybe thinks that following Lincoln Riley to USC is a good path. No read on that yet. He is from Las Vegas originally, so he's a West Coast guy to a degree, but he's an OU grad. We'll see there. And then here's my other interesting one. I'm only pitching the potential of keeping two guys. I'm not going crazy, but I'm just looking at logic and, and connecting dots. Oklahoma's tight ends coach, Joe, Joe John Finley, is new. This was his first year. Really has no deep ties to Lincoln Riley. Unlikely that he comes along Seth Deggy has done a really good job, both in recruiting and in coaching. He has been their best offensive recruiter by far. Uh, remember, Seth Deggy was prominently involved in all the quarterback recruiting, so Jackson Dart, Miller Moss, Devin Brown, who recently decommitted, and now maybe we'll see what he thinks about all this. And on top of that, the tight ends. I think what you see from Lake McCree's development from – fall camp to now you have to give Seth Dakey a lot of credit he's put a lot of time in with Lake McCree and the fans are finally seeing that oh this three-star recruit from Texas uh might have been underrated might, might be a major player for us that's a lot of Seth Dakey Michael Triggs development uh you know getting those guys here what do you think about maybe maybe keeping Seth Dakey who is also a Texas Tech guy and who as best I could tell maybe overlap for one year with Lincoln Riley there, so they probably also know each other. I think the relationship is the most important aspect for me, even more so than development or um, any X's and O's, because if we're being honest, the tight end position on an offensive staff, that's usually the, the, the bone you throw throw to your buddy type of thing or the, 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 the position on the staff that's maybe not as coveted as other positions, right. and I say that, because if Lincoln has maybe his guy or someone that he wants to bring with him, naturally the tight end role would be something that uh, a fringe coach, so to speak, could, could, could latch on to that, or an up-and-coming coach is trying to learn his way, which doesn't necessarily bode well for the uh, any current existing tight end coach. But um, to me, it's that if I'm just being honest, that position isn't as 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 groundbreaking. Um, but the, the the fact that there is crossover in their past uh, is most intriguing. But the and I'll let you intro it. But the the guy that's most intriguing to me is Alex Grinch on the uh, the defensive side of the football. Okay, yeah, let's go there. And and again, great counterpoints on the tight ends coach. That's a very good point. That if if uh, Riley has a guy that he wants to find a place for on staff, that's where you, you, you cram him. That's why Seth Dakey's in that role because this was, he got promoted from an analyst role, and that was the opening. I mean, he was, he was a quarterback in college, so he's not a tight end by trade. Uh, so you're absolutely right on that. Um, great counterpoints. Alex Grinch. So a few years ago, Lincoln Riley completely overhauled the defensive staff. He brought in Alex Grinch, who spent three years as the D.C. at Washington State and a year at – Ohio State in 2018 comes over to Oklahoma in 2019 and I think they're they've been better not not an elite defense but better here's their ranks the last three years in 2019 they were 38th nationally giving up 356 yards a game in 2020 they were 29th giving up 350 yards a game and this year a little bit regression to 70th nationally 381.9 yards per game my read is that Alex Grinch was the hottest name in defensive football following the 2017 season. Um, if I remind SC fans, when we went up to the Palouse and Darnold's led team lost to Washington State that year, I believe, the patented Speed D, right? Uh, that 2017 season going into 2018, it was all about Speed D up there in Washington State. You had uh, Minshew on offense and all the speedy linebackers on defense. That was Alex Grinch's baby. He built that there. It's Alex Grinch. They also brought uh, Roy Manning, who's Oklahoma's current quarterback, quarterback coach, uh, I believe. And then 
there's one other, I believe there's another uh, guy with him as well, but Manny was kind of his right-hand man. I say all that because those guys have West Coast ties. They've coached in the Pac-12. That's where they cut their teeth. That's where they had a lot of success with lesser talent. You'd like to think if maybe they can tap into richer recruiting pools on the West Coast, they could find a similar blueprint. I think the point that, hey, the defense has regressed for Oklahoma this year is fair. It's not a groundbreaking defense per se, but I just know that, I mean, Alex Grinch was the name three years ago. He was the dude that everyone was trying to get. Oklahoma was able to pull him away. Coaches don't just lose their inability to coach over a couple years. Maybe if you find the right magic at SC and then you're able to start fresh defensively and build up your entire new roster, maybe that's something for Alex Grinch, who's also young in his own right. Um, that's very, very intriguing to me. You convinced me. I co-sign. Where, where, where do I sign? I'm, I'm ready to – I'm all in. The rest of the defensive staff in Oklahoma is another Washington State uh, former guy. Brian Odom was a quality control guy from 15 to 16 on that Washington State staff. Went to Mizzou. Uh, he's the inside linebackers coach. He's an OU grad. He's only been there two years. Hard to say on that one. Calvin Thibodeau, the D-line coach. He's been there since 2016. He's an OU grad. Hard to say on that one. You mentioned Roy Manning, the cornerbacks coach. Cornerbacks coach. He's been there since 2019. Was previously at UCLA in 2018. And then Washington State before that with Grinch. He was a hot name there, I remember, for uh, a couple of years. I'll have to refresh uh, my notes. But I know him and Grinch were a true kind of one-two punch there for a couple of years at Washington State. So he he's a name that I know had some buzz a couple of years back. Well, this brings us back to the Dante Williams debate of – does Lincoln Riley want to keep Dante Williams? Does he see the recruiting value or does he see too much baggage from a guy who was the interim head coach for the final 10 games of the season? And while I, I came out very strongly early on and most of the way saying that Dante is going to be on the staff, he's coming back, he's going to be here, because that was what I was being told. And that, that was the, the vibe that I was being given, is that they fully wanted and expected Dante Williams to be a part of this future. And the thinking was that why would any coach come in and not want Dante Williams, one of the best recruiters in the country, a guy who you know, dominates SoCal recruiting? Why would you not want him? Uh, I'm not so sure now. I'm not so sure. I would still keep him personally, so this is not me changing my stance. I would keep him. And what I would say is that just because someone didn't do a good job in a role that they weren't prepared to do doesn't mean they can't still be great at the previous role. But has he rubbed people the wrong way over this year? I certainly think that there's some offensive guys who probably aren't very happy with him. Um, I don't know how Rajon Davis feels, who's been on the bench all year. Maybe too much has happened to bring him back. And that's stuff that I can't even speak to. That's behind the scenes. Um, I just don't know. But that'll be the interesting one for me is if – and we should know fairly soon if they want to find a place for Dante Williams. A couple points stick out to me in that regard. One, I think everything I said before about the assistant coaches coming over in terms of starting fresh, I still think applies to Dante. I think for so long these past uh, couple of coaching changes for SC – You've held on to a couple guys, and it's maybe prevented the program from 100% moving forward onto a new era. I think even even if Dante is a great guy, there's something to be said about that. But I'll say this: I've been very impressed with Dante behind the scenes. We hang out with him, or not hang out with him. <laughs> we talk to him every uh, every Monday night, and with all the trouble of this season Dante's a guy with with no ego Dante's been great to be around I've been impressed with just him as a man and I say that because of all the coaches coaching in the industry with a lot of ego and I don't think Dante has that per se and so I could see him you know fitting into this to 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 his staff and being able to um find uh, carve carve his own his own niche and and go that route and then the last thing I'll say about Dante is the big attraction with Dante is, hey, he can recruit the West Coast. And so if you got a head coach that maybe didn't have the recruiting ties and maybe was an NFL guy or was a ACC or SEC guy and didn't have the West Coast hard and fast relationships, well, then that, put a pre- that would put a premium on Dante Williams. Well, now, as we talked about in the first couple segments, Lincoln Riley has that experience uh, recruiting the West Coast. So maybe the premium that Dante brings of being the recruiter 
is not as much of a premium because Lincoln Riley can do it and his staff can do it and have done it. That takes nothing away from, from Dante. So that's something to think about. And I think Dante at least gets interviews 100% with some, some very solid defensive coordinating positions. There's a job up there at Washington that I think his name, a defensive coordinating job likely that his name will probably, uh, probably fit in. Oregon State's looking for a defensive coordinator. If Cal and Justin Wilcox potentially go a different route, uh, maybe there's a fit at Cal. There's a lot of West Coast schools that I think could be looking for a D coordinator where Dante is in that mix. And so if you're Dante is, hey, being the secondary coach and recruiting coordinator at SC, is that a better position than a defensive coordinator at a Pac-12 school? I think there's a very legitimate argument that it's not as good of a job at SC and he goes a different route and, and moves forward in his own merit. So lot, lot to unpack there uh, from, from Dante's lens as well. It's true. It's true. And, you know, a big reason why he came back to Los Angeles was to be closer to his dad who was going through health issues. And, of course, uh, sadly, his dad passed away this season. Um, I don't know what he feels about needing to be in Los Angeles. Uh, I do think that ideally he always wanted to be here and, and thought that being a part of resurrecting USC would have, have really been a, a crowning achievement for a guy who came up in Los Angeles and is from here. I'm sure there's still some pull there for him with that. But I think the bigger factor is just going to come down to whether they think that keeping him would be divisive in the locker room, whether there would be sides, you know, a pro-Dante side and a side of guys who are all in on the new regime. So I can kind of see why maybe he's not retained now, and I've also definitely gotten a different vibe of late about the certainty or uncertainty of that. So that's why I've changed my stance a little bit there. Just lastly on the staff, uh, Oklahoma's outside linebacker slash DN's coach is Jamar Kane. He's been there two years, came from Arizona State. Again, the, we just don't know enough about uh, Lincoln Riley's preferences and attachments of those guys. Well, the last nugget I'll uh, mention is Kale Gundy is the brother of Mike Gundy. And I know in preliminary lists, as crazy as this might sound for, for any Oklahoma fans out there, Mike Gundy's name is being thrown out there as potentially going over to the dark side as a uh, head coach name. So I envision if he ever went, Kale would probably be his first hire. But that's uh, that's that, that's cool. looking at things through a fine tooth comb. Lots of lots to uh, play out before we get to that level. I'm pretty sure if there's a dark side of that rivalry, Mike Gundy's already on it. True, very true. The mul- I'm sure the mullet stand still water. <laughs> Oh, man, but uh, we're going to be talking about all this stuff plenty more. This is just the very preliminary, off-the-top-of-our-head reactions, and I guess the way to close with it is, Max, what do you think is possible immediately? Next season, Lincoln Riley's first year, what do you expect the Coliseum to look like? What do you expect this team to look like? What is the ceiling? What's the floor? I expect there to be a lot of energy and a lot of buzz. I can sense it internally inside myself. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners listening right now that might be tuning into this podcast for the first time in a little while because that buzz and that energy is back. And I think we're going to feel that in the Coliseum next year. I think this team um, will definitely be better than this year. That's for sure. I think they, they're not going to be competing for championships next year. I think there's too much to overhaul. I think the struggles, uh, especially in the trenches, will take some time to rebuild. And I also think, I mean, looking at the rest of the conference, Utah is going to be 100% reloaded next year. So in terms of competing for championships, Oregon, that'll be tough. But in year two, I, I, I think Matt Leinart's tweet was great. He said, hey, year one with Pete Carroll, I was there. We were 6-6. Six and six. Uh, I spent a lot of time with Sean Cody. Uh, he, that, was, that was his first year, 6-6, six and six, laying the foundation a lot of turnover on the roster, a lot of, you know, guys leaving the program that aren't bought in and, and guys having to buy in and some, and things of that nature. But then the second year, this is where SC is going to be unique, especially with the transfer portal. SC can turn this around a lot faster than other schools. Oregon State, they're talking about a four- or five-year rebuild. As we all know, we're not Oregon State. I think this thing can get turned around quickly, especially when you have Jackson Dart, your signal caller, and year two is when you start um, competing for championships, which might be quicker than some people think, but I think that shows how special this recruiting pool is, how special the draw is for SC. I expect the transfer portal to be very attractive for for incoming guys, and uh, I think it shows the faith I have in Lincoln Riley, the faith I have in Jackson Dart, and 
I expect this team to win probably, let's say, eight games next year, seven, eight games next year, and then be right in the thick of things uh, come 2023. Man, you are rekindling those Holiday Bowl dreams for next season. Cannot wait. Let's head to San Diego, Ryan. Podcast San Diego next, uh, next Christmas, baby. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. I think it happens faster than people think, but not immediately. I think that Lincoln Riley is going to be able to rally this recruiting class before December because of the guys that are going to maybe reconsider their Oklahoma commitments, guys that are going to look at USC differently now. I think he has a lot of clout and that he is going to be able to not deliver a top 10 class overnight maybe, but definitely get this recruiting class much better than we anticipated it might be with the coaching change. And so maybe the the rebuild starts immediately and you give them a full cycle to bring in another great class. And now you you work the transfer portal, you change the culture, you got the offense humming. I could see it happening on that timeline, Max, two years. And you made another great point. With this renewed interest, there's probably, we hope, we assume, I mean, there damn well should be more listeners to this podcast. And they may not have heard us before, and so they need to know that when we get in season, nobody is better at breaking down games, opponents, matchups, explaining why things happened uh, schematically than our Max Brown. So you want to sign up for this podcast, whatever you do, favorite it, uh, save it, however that stuff works. Make sure that you are uh, tuning in the future episodes because we have Max on a lot, and it's always a great breakdown. Max, thanks as always. Ryan, appreciate it. Give me, uh, give me too much love. Ryan works his butt off. Definitely take advantage of the promo. A lot of exciting breakdowns and a lot of exciting energy in there that'll be fun over the next year on all things USC as we track recruiting, coaching changes. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of movement with the roster. This uh, I think we're just getting started. The season's ending, Ryan, but I feel like we're literally like just getting started in the, uh, the, the next season right so now. So true, so true. So we'll be back again soon, I'm sure. Sounds good. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, as always, to Max. And, again, I appreciate him reminding me on the promo. If you are not a subscriber to Trojansports.com, we have a really great community there. I mean, it's we have a lot of fun on our Trojan Talk board. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of great banter, a lot of inside jokes, a lot of very active commenters, a lot of passionate USC fans more than anything. And I think the tone that we have set on that board is – Maybe different than other places. It's it's a really welcoming and engaging place. There's a lot of disagreement, a lot of arguments, but it's it's pretty much all very civil. And I would love for you to check us out and, and be part of it. We'd love to have more voices on the site, on the board, contributing to those discussions because there's going to be so much to talk about over this next months, year, years, whatever. This could be a really fun ride. So the promo again is code Rivals twenty twenty one. Rivals 2021, and the deal is get the first year of a new annual subscription for just $20.21, which is like 75% off or 80% off, or I'm not a mathematician. It's a lot, it's a lot off. It's a, it's a fraction of the cost and it's as cheap as you're going to get it all year and just great timing for it. So uh, please join us. Go to Trojansports.com, see our content, read the columns we have posted about this, and you'll find links to the sign-up, and we would love to have you. With that, that is our show, and we'll be back with plenty more throughout the week on Trojansports.com.